Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Book Club with Caden Kelly, a podcast where we do a whole bunch of different stuff these days. And these days, uh, we're covering a lot of school, my schooling content, because I don't have a lot of time to read my personal stuff anymore. And uh, it's been two weeks since I was here. So I want to I want to jump right into it. But first, I got to say, you know what I got to say, if you want to get more of my content, which is mediocre at best, 3.9 stars on Spotify, if that gives you any idea, go to my blog, Caden Kelly's blog dot WordPress dot com. And you'll find links to the to my YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and Instagram and TikTok where I've got a bunch of videos, older videos posted because I don't do a lot of posting. I don't have a team. It's, it's just me, baby. One man team. And um, yeah, out here grinding, you know, out here grinding. But it has been two weeks and I've got an excuse. I've got excuses for you. So two weeks ago, we left. It was two weeks ago tomorrow. We left for Costa Rica. And we were gone for seven days and like seven and a half days. We got back really, really late last Tuesday. Uh, Yeah, late last Tuesday, early Wednesday morning. So I was gone traveling, doing the Costa Rica thing with some friends. And um, I got engaged. I got engaged in Costa Rica, not to a Costa Rican, but to my lovely partner and we're so excited. I'm so excited. And we have no plans set in stone right now, but we're so excited. And that's what I've been doing, man. That's what I've been doing for a week. Getting fucking engaged and going to Costa Rica. And then all the time before the trip and since has been catching up on work and school. So I've I've been especially strapped for time because I also want to go to Costa Rica and enjoy time with my friends. Uh, without being too distracted with work. And I still, I still, every morning over there in Costa Rica, I was still doing homework online. I was still reading and doing assignments because I don't want to, I also don't want to fail school. See, I planned this trip before I decided to go back to school. So this, this really, it's school was getting in the way of the trip, not the other way around. But we pulled it off. I think we pulled it off. Work is still, like, my business is still alive, and I don't have straight Fs in school. So my grades aren't as great as last semester. See, I've I've definitely bitten off a lot more than I can chew this semester. I was doing 10 credit hours in the last. with I was doing three three-hour, three-credit-hour classes and one one-credit-hour class. So 10 credit hours total. This semester, I'm doing five three credit hour classes and it's been far more difficult to keep up and what sucks is there's so much awesome material in all of these classes anthropology philosophy and psychology and I want I want to read it I want to be engaged in the content in the lectures but dude you know motherfuckers got to work too you know I got to pay my bills somehow Good morning, hey B Moon. What is that emo? What is that emoji you use? I've never seen that one before. Is it a sad eyes? Why are you sad, bud? Uh, so. Oh my God, there's a whole bunch of different faces. 
I've never seen any of those. So that's that's what we're doing. You know, school school is awesome, but work work is awesome too. I also love working and having having responsibility uh, people rely on me and, and following through that that feels good you know doing the doing the uh their moons you get them for subbing to my channel oh you had someone make your own emotes that's so awesome i need that for the podcast but it would just be straight books it would be book titles <laughs> did you make them or did you have someone make them i love working too i love being re i love being responsible and following through people that that need me you know that are they're are counting on me but what sucks is there's just too much to do i can't just go to school because i can't pay my bills and for a long time i was just working and not getting any formal education i was doing the i was actually killing it with the podcast for two years until i decided to go back to school and that's really the like the podcast has taken the back seat since since I started going to school, unfortunately. But a formal education is nice too. It just sucks that there's not enough time and what takes the most amount of time is work, for sure. I mean, you know, six to eight hours every day. And um, sometimes on the weekends. So I would love if, it would be awesome if all your bills were paid or covered or you didn't have bills. So you could go to school, so I could wake up, and do all of my and like go all in on my school material, the, reading the textbooks, watching the lectures, watching the, the movies, doing the assignments, studying for the tests. Uh, and that was, you know, if that was the job, that would be awesome. I love it. You know, that's I've been doing that shit already. I've been doing it kind of half assed with the, you know, with audiobooks through while I was doing the podcast. But now that I'm back, you know, not, or now that not that I'm back. Uh, but now, now that I'm doing school for real and I've learned how awesome it is to sit down and read books, I'm sad that I am so, I'm sad that I can't get, I can't have everything the way I want it and isn't everybody. So hopefully, uh, you know, my, my grades last semester were straight A's and this semester I've. I'm not doing as great on tests. And there, I had like three tests come up while I was in Costa Rica. It was insane. I had a bunch of assignments due. Like it, it was three or four weeks into the semester. And that's when all of the professors assigned their fir the first big assignments and tests. So I was definitely scrambling and guessing and skimming to get a decent grade. And anyway, so now we're back. And what we're going to do with the rest of the podcast today is because I don't have, whoops, let me grab this. I fidget. I totally fidget while I talk. If you don't know, if you haven't figured that out yet, I totally fidget. And now it's this silicone ring that I have that I fidget with and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a fidgeter while I talk, at least on the podcast. So what we're going to do today, and it probably won't take a ton of time, is all, all the only material I've got is all of the homework that I've done in school for the last two weeks. So catching up a little bit, and I'm learning some really, really cool stuff. I mean, it's all still pretty basic. Like, I'm retaking my psych 
Psych 1010 because I took it in uh took it in 2018 or something at Utah State when I didn't care about going to school and getting good grades and I got like a C minus which they accept but just looks so bad and if I'm trying to be if I'm trying to get a degree in psychology I want anyway so part of my ego wants to get that up so I'm retaking the psych class and I'm taking two philosophy classes and two anthropology classes and it's been awesome. This I, I'm taking a critical thinking psycho, uh, philosophy class, and it's been especially difficult because right now it's it's pretty technical learning about forms of arguments like modus tollens and modus ponens, and affirming and denying the consequent and the um, antecedent. So. Valid arguments. Talking about valid arguments in induction and deduction. So uh, it's not it's not a lot. Like last semester, I took the I took the intro to psychology course. I'm sorry, intro to philosophy course, and it was it was all about the big philo- philosophy guys from Socrates to Descartes and discussing questions like the the existence of god and the existence of morals which huge questions big ass questions it was just but it was so entertaining and and i was so captivated so far i like i like where this course is going but it seems like more it seems more formal as as far as like the actual technique for uh arguments forming and analyzing arguments whether they're Valid, invalid, strong, weak, true, false. The philosophy 3000 class I'm taking is uh, um, ancient and medieval philosophers. And it's been so interesting so far. We've been we've been examining. uh, We've been examining philosophers from like the 4000 B.C. And the first one that we examined was a lady named Enheduanna and she was a priestess, I think in Egypt and she wrote lots of poems and some of the earliest written records that we have of anybody are come from her Enheduanna. And it seemed they seem more like, you know, they're, they're like stories. They're not, it's not like she was talking about metaphysics, but she, she makes, you know, she makes claims about, the nature of reality. She talks about her gods and how they intervene in her life and in everybody's lives. So philosophy is, is fascinating that way. You can dissect just about any text uh, and examine it. You can, and discuss it. So that was this. Okay. So from there we've moved on right now. We're reading the Republic by Plato. And we were last week. We read book one. And this has been, it's so fun to read about Socrates and I've never read the Republic. So this is, and and, and Hey, we're in book clubs. So we're always reading new books. Sometimes they're textbooks and sometimes they're ancient books, but sometimes, and sometimes they're modern bestsellers. So we get a whole bunch of variety here and the Republic by Plato 
has been so interesting because I've because I've and especially in the last semester in the intro to philosophy course, we read and talked a ton about Socrates and Plato and, and Aristotle. But now it's awesome to read the actual text of the recordings of Socrates because uh, the way he well, he's popular for many reasons. He's 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 like at the forefront of philosophy for many reasons. And what I'm what I learned from this book one, uh, reading book one of the Republic, is book book one centered around what is justice. That was like the topic of book one. What is it, and uh, how is it used in our society? And there and a couple of different guys in the text. Uh, make arguments about what justice is and Socrates refutes them. And what's so, but what's fascinating, but what is also could be frustrating if you're looking at it through a certain lens is Socrates doesn't really provide any answers either or at all. I shouldn't say either, but at all, a lot of people assert, and this is what I, this is just what I gather from reading a lot of Socrates is he's arguing people's worldviews he's debating them he's he's investigating the truthfulness of their claims he's not really he does not out as far as what i've read he's not making a lot of assertions he's not declaring certain things about reality but rather he's questioning people's reasoning for their conclusions so one of the guys in book one says that philosophy or i'm sorry that justice is uh is rewards good people and punishes bad people and the and socrates you know i I don't want to go through the whole argument i guess i should have i could have i should have uh, analyzed it the way i do for most of my books so i have some content but i guess yeah I'm, i'm just gonna go through my fucking course material and maybe inspire some of you who are listening to go to school and study some of these topics so, yeah, the first guy suggests that justice is what is rewards good people and punishes bad people. And the second guy suggests that justice is what serves the powerful. And both, you know, both totally different perspectives of justice and both powerful in many ways. And also, and Socrates doesn't necessarily, he doesn't like say, yeah, I agree with you. He says, Why, how do you get to that conclusion? And where, do you, where does it stem from? And... Once he once they dr- get to a conclusion, then he Socrates will uh, then annihilate that conclusion. He'll start to break that conclusion down and say, well, what about these problems? What about this alternative? And so a lot of the a lot of the dialogue in this book one was one of the characters criticizing Socrates for not op- not proposing any answers. And what's so fascinating is Socrates responds by saying uh after all after all of my philosophy i don't know anything i know nothing so he's he takes like that albert einstein approach right the like the more you learn the less you know or something whatever let me see i don't want to misquote that what is it the more you learn the less you know who says that yeah albert einstein I'm uh, Albert Einstein says, and this is from quotable quotes from goodreads.com. The more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. 
yeah socrates takes the same approach so this ancient philosophy class has been awesome psychology has been cool but it's 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 actually been really hard i'm i i'm struggling to figure out how the teacher wants us to gather our information because uh we t so we've been this is we're in week five now so the first week was an introduction the second week was about uh introduction to psychology second week was about research the third week was about nature versus nurture and then we took a test and so much of it seemed so subjective the test was the test was really tough uh, the study guide didn't provide it provided a lot of key terms to memorize but then the questions on the tests weren't about the about the key terms they were about like uh, what branch of cognitive psychology does this come from or how could or how is this uh, uh, anyway I struggled with the test and I'm struggling to figure out how to how to study properly for that for that um, but I like it. I, I was actually, I was, I emailed a, a dog trainer yesterday because I want to get, we're trying to get some puppies and I emailed a dog trainer to say, and I was like, Hey, I want, I want to learn how to raise a dog properly before I get a dog or I, I want to at least understand some of the psychology because I don't want to just get a dog and then fuck up the dog's life. I want to give the dog a really good quality of life. And I also want to do it right from the beginning. And after I sent it, I, I thought, this is, I mean, this is essentially just psych 101 for dogs. You know, I, uh, these trainers come into your house or they take your pet for, for a few weeks and they, uh, they, they use techniques like positive and negative punishment and uh, reinforcement to train a dog to behave properly. But beyond that, too, I I don't want to just I don't want to neglect a puppy's or a dog's psychological needs or physical needs just for my sake. Like, don't I would imagine there is a Maslow's hierarchy of needs for animals too, for dogs specifically, and I don't know what what it is. And I actually, and I I don't I wouldn't say that it totally exists it might not it's probably much more simple than humans that dogs and most animals probably just need food and water and shelter and affection but then also things like exercise and play with other animals with other dogs i just want to know what is proper so that when i get a dog i'll know how to how to react to certain puppy behaviors so that we don't develop bad habits we want good habits from the beginning but i don't know what they are for my i don't know how, what i'm supposed to do and i know i know i'm thinking way too hard about it because my family's had several dogs over the years and we've never done anything like this my family's never done anything like this my 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 siblings have dogs they've never done anything like this i've got friends who have dogs they've never done anything like this they'll they'll take them to you know like a PetSmart or Petco and do the courses, which is probably similar. But what I want is I want to be trained first. I want to be trained on what to do when your puppy does this 
or when they act this way or when they pee in the carpet or run away or like what and what what their needs are and what kind of things they like how much exercise they actually need and what kind of exercise they need and if some kibble or food is better or worse than others and uh should they sleep in the floor of your room should they sleep in your bed should they sleep in the garage i want i just like what's best for their psyche so i know there's probably there's actually probably a degree at weber state to get puppy training certified and it's probably in the psychology department but i'm not doing that i'm just doing intro to psych right now and then my last or my other group of courses are anthropology classes and i kind of jumped the gun last semester because last semester <clears throat> i took anthro whoops anthro uh 1200 which was anthro uh biological anthropology and this semester i'm taking the intro to anthropology so but truly both classes have been entirely different uh but uh, yeah, we're not we're, the intro to anthropology has actually been super cake. The material is like, let me pull up some of the material. Um, whoops, that was the wrong one. Yeah, section one course materials. Intro to cultural anthropology, ethnography, race, ethnicity linguistics uh yeah it's been it's been kind of a it's been kind of a cakewalk uh ethnography it's actually has been the biggest focus has been on ethnography which is studying people in their cultures uh yeah and i'm going to pull up the de definition because i'm i'm going to make sure i got it right define ethnography scientific description of the customs of individual peoples and cultures. Yeah, it's the branch of anthropology and the system systematic study of individual cultures. Ethnography explores cultural phenomena from the point of view of the subject of the study. Yeah, so mo and most of the scientists, the researchers doing this ethnogra ethnographic work, live in the their community. So a lot of what I've read in the and in this and my cultural anthropology class has been of researchers living amongst different tribal people to study them, study how they behave and interact. And what's so, in, I think I've mentioned in previous podcasts, what's so interesting is people behave differently around the world. Even in, even in modern societies, people behave so differently. Like even in, in Costa Rica, Costa Rica was not that different. It was just a different part of the world. It was pretty, where we were was pretty Westernized. It was pretty, you know, we had a nice hotel with tons of restaurants, transportation. Like it wasn't, it wasn't uh, what I was expecting for Central America, which was poor and uh, unsanitary. It wasn't like, I didn't feel like, or, and unsafe. I didn't feel like that at all. So, uh, there's, lots, there's parts of the world where people have, have never seen electricity. And these hunter-gatherer-esque tribes that still exist, scientists will, and researchers will go study them. And what I find fascinating, and I think I'm learning this, what I'm learning about myself is I'm so fascinated about 
morality and ethics because these people there's one study in particular where um uh, or one paper rather that i read of a of a researcher living amongst and i don't remember the name of the people or the place but they would fight like crazy and steal the fighting and stealing was it wasn't uh like people didn't look upon it fondly but it wasn't punishable it was like people you didn't go to jail there were no jails you just uh, it just was a social thing people would get people don't like to be stolen from so they would protect their stuff but anyway like um and tons of adultery tons of adultery and just like lots of personal beef with people uh sleeping with their spouses or their siblings and tons of adultery and uh an anthropologist's job is supposed to just observe the tribes and the cultures there's they're not there to impose their beliefs what uh another really big topic or a uh, key word that we're um well get my, well, I'm going to mute this phone call from Nicholsville Nicholasville Kentucky I don't know anybody from Nicholasville another key term that has been ingrained in my brain from both uh both class both anthropology classes is is the word that now escapes me um it's the word about thinking that your culture is better than another um ethnocentrism that's what it is so it's it's similar about ethnography with other people's cultures but centrism to say that we think that ours are better so uh an example of ethnocentrism would be that would be for me to say that people living in third world countries are not as happy because they don't have technology like me and therefore my culture and my community is better than theirs it's just it's it's uh ethnocentric and it's it's a poor world view um to to determine what's better or worse uh, but here's what's so interesting is, are there some things that are objectively better or worse? And not objective in the sense that God has ordained these things, but that people's lives are better or worse because of them. And I think I, the one of the studies I referenced in the past was of uh, marriages in India where parents arrange their child's marriages and these people marry each other without ever knowing them. It was, but it was their parents that do all the investigative work to figure out who their child should marry. And in the West... Like my initial reaction is that would be crazy. I lived with my partner for three years, over three. Well, we've lived together for like two and a half years. Uh, we've known each other for three years and we've dated for three years. It took us three years to get engaged. Three years. And we probably won't get married for another year or two. Um, but these families in India are getting married after their parents picked their partner and get married without ever knowing. Maybe there's maybe I think I remember reading there's sometimes some brief exchange between the spouse, the 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 
oh shit what's like the not the husband and wife but before that the the both spouses the both of the fiancés what's the term the bride and the groom i don't know there's some exchange where they can talk and be like oh yeah we're getting married you know it's like it's like married if the married at first sight tv show it seems wild but those those the culture in india is so normal it's it's and it's preferred and and uh, I don't know much of the statistics on like divorce rates or quality of life or mar- marital satisfaction, but these these people get married like this. And is it who's to who's to say what's better or worse is what I'm trying to say. Like who's to say that dating for three years is better or preferred than getting married uh, on the after the first date, or rather not even a first date, but getting married at your parents' discrepancy after they choose a partner for you i'm i I, in yeah and further furthermore what i'm suggesting is there must be some mechanism or some metric that we can measure to determine what's that is that would it, it would require examining all cultures and all people you know from from the richest to the poorest to determine if there is a if there is an objectively better way to go about things because maybe in the west we date for several years before we get married and maybe in india we get they get married right away at without meeting their partner and maybe there's a bunch of room in between and a bunch of different options and then you study people must they've got to do some crazy long-term studies to figure out how happy all of these relationships are. Follow them just like the Harvard study of happiness to, to where they followed subjects for 80 years. And now they're now they're following the, the, the children of the children of the original participants of the study in the Harvard study. You have to do that with married people across all the cultures across the whole world, which is a it's a real that's a really crazy big undertaking. Uh, but that would produce, I would imagine, that would produce some kind of results to determine what marital strategy or engagement strategy uh, serves the people the best. But then you got to then you got to do things like, or maybe you don't have to. But I I just had the thought that you would need to take people from India who are prepared to get married according to their cultural standard and impose the western uh, engagement strategy were to date to date for for several years but i don't know because their their attitude would be different going into uh a, a, an untraditional merit marital strategy engagement strategy they would does that make sense i don't think that you can just like you can compare apples to oranges but it would be even more effective i would imagine if you take people in the West and uh, have them get married according to Indian, uh, the Indian engagement strategy and vice versa. And then do that for hundreds of participants across hundreds or all of the cultures. Anyway, so anthropology is really interesting to me that way because the the researchers aren't there to impose. They, they shouldn't be uh, – they shouldn't be imposing their ethics or morals or standards on any of the people they research. They're simply determining how other people live. And 
there's uh th- that's just that's a big part of the cultural anthropology too there's lots of different branches of a- anthropology like archaeology and um uh not the word is comes to my head is geography but that's not the right there's like the one where you study people's influence on the geographical landscape and i know i'm saying this because i just watched a video and did an assignment on people in the amazon who have in they've changed the landscape of the amazon for hundreds if not thousands of years people there there have been indigenous peoples living in the amazon uh clearing trees and killing and hunting animals and manipulating the landscape for hundreds of years before it was trendy, you know, before, uh, and especially before Brazil has tried to lock down and national park allies, uh, create like no touch zones for big parts of the Amazon. There were, there's been people influencing the, landscape of the Amazon for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And, uh, so what's that? I can't remember what that field of research is called, but it exists. There's lots of different ways to study, uh, to be an anthropologist. So what we're, uh, like I mentioned anthropological linguistics right now, there's, or not right now, but there exists, uh, researchers who are just studying how people talk and how and people and how writing developed and how it's influenced their culture and influences their people. So it would be improper for an anthropolo- anthropological linguistic researcher to go into some like for me to go to Costa Rica and impose my English language on them when when there is a language that exists there that has existed. And serves a purpose, serves a function. That would be ethnocentric. Instead, anthropologists are supposed to go into those towns, go into these places, and, and if you're a linguist, if you emphasize in the linguistic sector, you would go study how they are, how how they talk, how uh, what they write, and how it influences their culture, their society, their people, their relationships, all of it. Anthropology is fascinating. And what I love about all three of these fields, anthropology, philosophy, and psychology, is it all focuses on how people behave, why they behave that way. And then philosophy really comes in and says, uh, why uh, or what do we do about it? And what's proper and what's real? Because a lot of a lot of anthropology discovers that, and you'll find this in psychology too, but what you uncover by uh, through doing anthropological research is lots of functions in societies aren't based in reality. And the number one, uh, the number one item in that category is religion. Religion is something that develops independent in most cultures. Belief in some higher power or external life that uh, is un uninfluenced by or rather is independent of our belief or our actions 
like God exists whether or not we want him to exist is the point I'm trying to make. Uh, is that true? There's there's lots of debate for whether that's true, but um, something like that exists in most cultures that there that there is a higher power or multiple higher powers that influence the way we live, and um, yeah, philosophy, philosophy uncovers like the reality of what we are of what's you know of what these this research uncovers. So anthropologists will go in. To a society and say these people believe in x and x and y gods because they do x and y things and the anthropologist it's not the anthropologist's job to go in there and say your god does isn't real and uh or or my god is real and they're just there to uncover how the function the function of the god in their society in their culture and then it's up to the philosopher really to uncover the truthfulness of the claims made by the people and but it's really you know I've, I've been the guy where I've gone into another culture, another another part of the world, and imposed my belief on other people and tried to persuade them and or and yeah, tried to persuade them that my worldview is better than theirs and that they should subscribe to my worldview because of X, Y, and Z reasons. So I've been that guy. I've been the guy that I've been the ethnocentric person, but on the religious side in California when I served a Mormon mission. And it's uh, yeah. Now I'm now I'm in a weird place where I I I not on the I'm not pushing religion, but I am challenging people's religious beliefs, religious claims. And uh, wow, my light is flickering. That is why is it doing that? It's very distracting. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to balance my uh, my passion for uncovering the truthfulness of a religion without forcing people to deconstruct from their worldview or their belief. And I know that sounds silly. It might even sound insanely selfish, but it's true. I, I, I feel so passionately, like I truly feel there's nothing more important to discuss than the nature of God, the reality of God. More specifically, uh, because this is just the culture that I'm a part of, there's nothing more important to figure out than if Jesus Christ actually resurrected from the dead. And <clears throat> without going too much into that, so let me get a drink real quick. I got three drinks. I got my protein drink. I got my cup of tea. And I've got my water and electrolytes. So I'm I'm supposed to be super hydrated, but I've been talking. So let me get a drink real quick. So I'm doing so much uncovering of these claims and philosophy really examines the truthfulness of a lot of claims, especially religious claims. And I'm so interested in those religious claims, mostly because I bought into them for so long. I bought into one specific claim, which was the Mormon story. I'm fidgeting with the chapstick and I just dropped it. Fuck. Now what else am I going to fidget with? <laughs> so I grab paper clips. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel disappointed. Like when my, when my parent, my mom asks me like, why are you so interested in religion? I kind of feel, I feel betrayed by a God that I don't think exists anymore. I put so much trust into it. 
and belief into something that I don't believe exists anymore. And that shit, that, that's a hard, that's been a hard feeling for me to navigate because, well, for lots of reasons you probably could assume, but uh, you know, God, God for most people is a huge source of comfort and relief for so many hard things that people experience. Like I remember I had two really funny stories. They're funny now. They were tragic for me at the time. But when I was a little boy, I remember talking to like my babysitter or something who was much older than me. And he said, I, I asked him if he played Mario or video games or something. And he said, no, nah, when you get older, you just don't play very, very much, very many video games. And I got so sad because I love video games. And so I went to God and I prayed. So I was sobbing. I remember sobbing, saying, just don't let me lose my love for Mario. I want to love Mario as I get older. I don't want to stop playing Mario video games. Uh, hey, maybe there is a God because I still play Mario video games. You know, maybe there is a God. But I remember, I remember going to God for that, for comfort, begging and pleading, don't let me lose my love for Mario video games, Nintendo. And then, uh, you know, a few years later, I, my dog got hit by a car and died. And uh, I remember sobbing, sobbing in my room again and praying so hard. Just, I, I hope, I have, I hope to see my dog again. I hope so badly, or I can't wait. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I can't wait to see my dog again. And I hope he's in heaven and I hope I get to heaven. I have to be there. I have to see Max again. You know, God was such a source of comfort for me for so long. And I've had to. I've had to dramatically alter my worldview since then because now I don't think that I'll see Max again. I still like Mario games, but that could totally change. I don't think that and, and the point I'm the point I'm trying to make is I don't have that source of comfort. It's almost it's almost like losing a a, a girlfriend or a trusted confidant. I guess boyfriend, whoever's listening, but uh, it's like losing someone you, you trust and care about and um, rely on for hard times, but also uh, love to share good times with. You know, you pray and give so much so much thanks for, oh, I'm so grateful that I passed, passed this test or got this job or I'm dating this person or have, a, have my health back or, yeah, re- recovered from an injury or illness or something like so much it's just gone just gone just gone with the with the with the change of belief it's tragic it is tragic and people can be, get i get why people are bitter from shit like that i don't know that i've ever really been bitter uh, yeah to to be totally honest i don't ever remember feeling bitter but i do feel disappointed i still feel disappointed cuz i it's a it's a worldview that my family and my friends and my neighbors and everybody in my in my church all reinforce this these beliefs that now I uh, don't believe in and I, yeah I'm not disappointed with the people in my life because they're under the same they're under the same impression that I was that he's real that God's real and that Joseph Smith did the things that he did he saw God and translated the plates and that the Book of Mormon is true they they believe that still. So I'm not even I'm not mad at them. They were they were reinforcing their beliefs. And uh I was using their testimonies to strengthen and bolster up my own. So 
leaving religion has been really hard. And philosophy has given me so much more to consider. I still don't have the confidant that I had in God, but that, but now I'm at a place in my life where I feel like I'm in, that I have a, I trust myself way more. I trust, I I have a much better uh, worldview, perspective of life and death and love and hate and, and feelings and sorrow and joy. I have, my perspective is radically altered. And I, I, I sincerely, so what I struggle with is I sincerely believe that my current worldview is better than it was. And what I want to do is be a missionary for my current worldview. I want to, I want to go back out there. And part of the, part of what I do with the podcast, truthfully, is sharing my worldview. And hopefully it persuades some of you out there to reconsider your worldview if it, if it's different, um, I'm not I'm not at all implying that I have a perfect worldview, but I think I have a better one. I think I have a better one. I think that my perspective on life is way better than it was. And it allows me to love the people in my life more. It helps me brush uh brush hardship off of my shoulder more like like my stomach, dude, with fucking colitis and recent injuries. I've I can like they still suck. I still get I still get bugged. But I'm not if, – if I still believe God exists, why, I would be like, why the hell do I feel this way? And the typical religious answer is uh, there's a reason for it. God's giving you a reason for it or there is a reason that God has for it to make you stronger or more resilient or whatever. Or, or ultimately, you could say that we don't know the ways of God. We don't know why God does the things he does or allows the things he does. We don't know the mind of God, so therefore, there's no don't challenge it. And really, that gives people that gives people peace. I can't deny it. I won't deny it. It's true. That gives people peace. But what seems more grounded in reality and is way easier for me to chew is there is no purpose to my suffering or your suffering. We just fucking suffer, but we're doing it together, so we can help each other. We can help each other. We can help alleviate other people's suffering. That's like one of the greatest joys a, a person can experience is alleviating another person's suffering. So when I have my stomach issues, I remind myself I'm not entitled to health. And when I'm injured, I don't remind myself I'm not entitled or I do remind myself I'm not entitled to, to uh, what's the opposite of injury non-injury i'm not entitled to these things people get sick people die babies get cancer man what's fucking worse than babies getting cancer and dying prematurely or killing their mothers during delivery i mean i i I have a nicu nurse fiance so it's not like this shit stays on my mind there's a lot of sucky things that people experience and it's what's really hard for people to grasp is, yeah, it's it's hard to 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 accept. It's hard for me to accept sometimes that there is no quote unquote purpose or meaning to our suffering. I think a, a normal, natural human inclination is to assign meaning to our suffering. 
it helps us get through it. And that's one of the downsides to an atheistic worldview is there is no underlying purpose to our suffering. And consequently, there's no underlying purpose to our joy. We just don't think about that, that side as much. At least I don't. When things suck, like when you get sick, I know I'm not alone in this. When I get sick, all I think about is how awesome it was to be healthy. <laughs> but when I'm healthy, I don't ever think about how bad it sucks to be sick. But you know what? That's a great example of memento mori in practice. When you're healthy, you have to remind yourself how bad it sucks to be sick. And when you're lonely, I'm sorry, when you're not lonely, when you, when you feel loved and surrounded by good people, it's so important to remind yourself how bad it sucks to be lonely. And when you're injured, fuck, I keep fucking this up. And when you're not injured, <laughs> it's so important to remind yourself how bad it sucks to be injured. Because what this does is it provides perspective on what your life could be like, might be like, will be like at some point. And to remind yourself that you're not entitled to the health and the wellness and the peace that you ex are experiencing now. You're not entitled to it. Part of being alive is to feel pain and to be sick. And you can, you can, you can credit that to God. You can give God the, you can, you can assign the, the meaning of life to whatever God has bestowed, but I think that's in, I think that's disingenuous to what to the reality the true nature of life of living is we don't know that there's a god we don't know that there's not a god we don't know either way and so assuming uh that there is a god and that god's responsible for these things seems less genuous there's a better word though uh I don't want to say irresponsible, but it's it's it seems like you're you're like pushing off the responsibility onto something else by saying, "Well, God has a plan. God has a plan, and you'll be able to see your loved ones again. So don't let this bring you down." Like it sucks when people you love die. That shit sucks. And I'm at a point in my life I have not had a lot of people in my life die, and for that I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful. And I, but I remind myself, it will happen. It will happen. It not might happen. It will happen. Or it's either it will happen or I'll be the one to die first. And that's just the truth of it. And that's a hard ass truth to remind yourself and think about. And it, so lots of people just ignore it and they, and they pretend that those realities don't exist. They brush it off and live their lives. And they should. Uh, we're all fucking doing this life alone together. And all the best, all we can do is support each other. So I'll conclude with this. What I was trying to say is I have this worldview now about life. And I, I just sincerely believe that my worldview is better than it was. And will, is, prob is probably better for most people. Not all, but probably better for most people. So how do how does somebody persuade other people to see the world through a different lens? 
not exactly the way I see the world. I know I don't have a perfect world. I know I, I suck at a lot of things. And I have I got a lot of things wrong. I get a lot of things wrong. Uh, and I guess the truth is lots of people aren't interested in changing or altering their worldview. They're not willing to be open-minded to other perspectives. And there's nothing you can do about that. That's just that's an ignorant way to live. And people can live in ignorance if they choose. They can live in that ignorance is bliss mentality. But I'm interested in investigating the nature of reality, the nature of life, what it really is, not what we want it to be or hope it to be or hope that it's not, but what it actually is, what it actually is for everybody across all cultures. And there's only a few things that we can say with certainty. Things like we all die. And some things feel good and some things feel bad. And that's not even for everybody either. That's not even objective. I guess the, I guess the biggest one is everybody dies. <laughs> that's all that we've really figured out. Everybody dies. There's no getting around it. And people might be trying to resist. They might be trying to come up with technology to prevent people from dying. But as far as we know, Everybody fucking dies, except maybe Jesus Christ, and we're still investigating that one. He's If he's back, he's cracked the code. And if he's cracked the code, there's nothing more important in this world to investigate. Okay, that's it. That's where we're going to end this. 54 minutes in, and I feel good. I know we didn't get into a lot of substance really until the end. We started talking like personal philosophy, but this is might be how these episodes go, man. I can't read a lot of of a lot of my personal material while I'm going to school. It's just not happening. I'm trying so hard to get these good grades. I want to get these I want to get the degree and open up some opportunities to not be a carpet cleaner anymore. God damn. If I can get out of the I don't it's not that I even hate my job. I just want to do something that I am passionate about. I'm not passionate about cleaning carpets. I'm grateful for the job I have, this opportunity, this business that that is functioning, but I would rather put my time in investigating these questions. I mean, there's a reason I don't have a podcast talking about carpet cleaning. There's a reason that we're not talking about scrubbing bush for an hour every week. Cause I'm not that I'm not, I'm passionate about these other things. I care about these other things. I care about why people behave the way they do, what they believe, their interactions with other people, how they respond to different stimuli, good and bad. If there's a God, if there's not a God, all of that shit, that's what's, that's what gets my gears going. And if you've been listening for, since the beginning, you'd know that's what we're here for. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, if you want to join, you can always join live. Hey, B Moon was here for a little bit. I don't know if he's still here, but he was here for a little bit. You can join these conversations live on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook by, uh, yeah, just joining when we go live and the best way to do that is to go to my blog kaden kelly's blog wordpress.com and find the twitch the youtube the facebook links click the link follow subscribe whatever the button is and, and even better turn on your notifications so that when this stream goes live most of the time it's the podcast sometimes it's video games but when it goes live you can join and share your thoughts so we can have a conversation or whatever so 
with all that being said, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for letting me ramble. If you've listened to this far, uh, you're probably a friend or uh, a relative, and I appreciate you. And if you're not one of those and you've listened to the end, then you are amazing. I feel like sometimes my friends listen to this out of obligation, my family out of obligation, and I'm not going to hate on it. And I appreciate them. But there is no obligation. I hope that some I hope that this provides some value to your life. Because I'm doing this selfishly to help understand where I'm at in my life, the things that I'm learning to break them down and to understand them better. And I hope that that adds some value to your life. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you at the next one. Thank you.